0: I'm so glad and honored and humbled to be here uh, To worship the Lord together with you And share God's word Uh, I remember one story of a time when Dr. Charles Spurgeon Was in the seminary and he was asked By one of his students to define what is heaven And he said, heaven is a smile Let your face shine and be irradiated With heavenly gleam And one student asked how about hell? And Dr. Spurgeon said, "Well, your normal faces do. <laughs> Can you give a smile at the back, at your back and tell that person, I'm so glad that you have come in this worship today. Can we do that? At your back? If you don't know, do know that person, please ask the name, of course. And if you are a visitor who have come for the first time, I would like to welcome you into this worship at Bridges Church. And we would like to expect that God is going to just minister to each one of us as we allow his spirit to move and work among us. Let's pray. We would like to thank your loving Father and declare that this is your day and this is your people. These are your songs and this is your time to minister to your people. May the words of my mouth. And the meditation of my heart. Be pleasing and be acceptable unto you. Over all my preparation loving father. So that I would only be able to say. Something that you want me to say. And not to say things. That you don't want me to say this morning. In Jesus name. Amen. I am assigned to. Uh, speak on the last three churches of the book of revelations. Uh, the four churches has been expounded by Pastor Fred, okay? And we'll be taking some background uh, on the last, uh, few of the last part of the last sermon of Pastor Fred. Every church of the seven churches illustrates condition common among local churches of all ages in church history. And the seven that are mentioned in the book of Revelations are Models. And I'm sure that God will have something for us to say and to learn out of the seven churches. And I would like you to just see these following quotations. uh, Which is, uh, this will form part of the core and the principle of the message this morning. What I believe and what you believe shaped how I behave. Is that true? I think that is true. That our belief system would dictate how we should behave in this life. And the second one is that the root system determines the fruit system. If my life is rooted in Christ, it will be reflected in the way I act and talk and walk. And the last one is that when God is glorified, this is coming from John Piper. He said, when God is glorified, man is satisfied. Because as a matter of reality, this world can never satisfy that something within that only God can give satisfaction. And when Jesus Christ introduced himself in chapter 2, at the book of the Ephesian church, the book of Ephesus, Revelations 2.1, as the one who walks among the seven churches, or seven lampstands, which I said seven churches, This reminds us of the presence of God in every affair of the church. In fact, the word he who walks, it is where we have the word Emmanuel. Or God is with us. It means that God is not separate from the church. And this is a message that Christians are not living at the mercies of circumstances. We are living in the economy of the grace and the providence of the abiding presence of God. You, might, you have come this day in this very place. You might have had a lot of problems in the past. But the reason why we can still celebrate the presence of God, because of the fact that the sustaining, abiding presence of God has been with us in times when we need it. Even in times when we don't feel like needing it and uh, revelation 3:1 says he who holds the seven spirits of god and the seven stars i'll discuss later about the seven spirit okay so the stars are the seven elders deacons and pastors that were designated to the seven local churches and jesus christ holding these letters in his hands speaks of his protection Upon the church, the leaders are assigned to the church, not just for the sake of leadership, but they will guard the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. It was coming from the mouth of Jesus Christ before he ascended to the heavens at the great commission when he said, I will be with you through all the ages of this life. God is going to be with us, going to be with the church For the rest of his life. And we are being sustained and given this assurance. When the Bible tells us that nothing, no one can separate us from the love of God. Not problems, not difficulties, not nakedness, not even death could separate us from the love of God. Because he that is in us is greater than the problems and greater than he that is in the world. And so that if God is for us, nothing and no one can be against us. It was in this truth where David was so confident in his time of trials and difficulties when he said, that even if I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil for you are with me. I'm sure that you are familiar with the story of the footprints in the sun, right? All of us are familiar with that. This guy was walking along the beach with the Lord, and as he looked back at the Footprints in the sun He saw that there, was two sets, uh, there were two sets of footprints in the sun And he was very confident But in the process of walking He realized that He was alone And when he looked back at the footprints in the sun He saw that there was only one And so he complained Lord you have promised that you will never leave me and forsake me But during the most troublesome times of my life I felt so alone I felt so lonely And I could look back that there was only one set of footprints in the sun And look the promise of God That is alive even among his people today, among his church today. He said, my son, I love you and I will never leave you and forsake you. If you have seen that there was only one set of footprints in the sun, it was mine. Because you were in my arms. I carried you in my arms. That is a wonderful, amazing statement of protection. An assurance that he gives to every believer that statement that he holds the seven spirit or seven stars in his hand speaks also of his authority that is granted to the church. If I could remember in my thesis uh, in my uh, in one of my thesis in, in the Bible college that uh, i 've learned is that during Reformation time, one of the persecutors of the church declared, and he said that 100 years from now, the church and the Bible, the Christian church will be extinguished totally. Will be gone totally. And exactly 100 years after that, that same building in which this guy stands was purchased by the American Bible Society. And that is the power of God. That even the gate of hell could not prevail, could not control, could not hold against that. And that is an amazing part of the things that God is faithful in his commitment to protect the church. Even the gates of hell is not powerful enough to demolish, to destroy what Jesus Christ had started. I remember this boy, uh, he was in a children's choir. And this boy was overheard because he was holding the microphone. And the song was... He is exalted. The king is exalted on high. I will praise him. But because this boy got a microphone, he was overheard singing, He is exhausted. The king is exhausted (laughs) on high. Of course, our God can never be exhausted in taking care of his children. He will never feel weary in taking care of all of us. He will. Because our God is faithful. And he can be trusted. How about the seven spirits that are in his hands? Well, evangelical pastors and scholars believe that this refers to the Holy Spirit. And if you notice that every letter that was sent to every seven, this seven church, last part of that letter is this word. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And because there are seven churches, these are repeated Seven times. And this speaks, the emphasis of this speaks of the continuing, transforming, and uh, empowering ministry of the Holy Spirit to the church. And the Spirit of God is actively involved in the day of your conversion, even up to the day when the Lord returns. And let me just share with you one of the amazing ministries of the Holy Spirit. Uh, I'm not going to uh, open the Bible, but you can open it in the book of Romans chapter 8 verse 2. It tells us about an amazing ministry of the Holy Spirit. That in the life of the believers, there are two kinds of laws that operate. The law of sin and death, and the law of the Spirit that brings life and freedom. Uh, I think that is the exact uh, words from the New Living Translations. in uh, IV. There are two laws, the law of the spirit and sin, and the law of life that results to freedom. I mean, the law of the spirit that results to freedom and life. And these two are constantly fighting for control in the life of the believers. Maybe last week, uh, you were filled with your flesh. And you reacted things according to the desires of the flesh. And maybe this week, you were filled with the presence of the Holy Spirit. Sounds good, but I call that inconsistency. And the book of Galatians chapter 5 verse 16 gives us an amazing promise. When it tells us that if we walk by the spirit, we would not be able to walk in the desires of the flesh. We would not be able to walk in our temper, in our arrogance, in our selfishness. However, if you see it in the book of Galatians 5, and 23, we would be able to walk in love, in peace, and also in the joy of the Lord. And look at what the Spirit has to say about the, the church of Sardis. The church of Sardis is called a dead and defiled church. Uh, most commentators call it dead church. But other Bible scholars calls it the defiled church. We will feel sad in as we look at this church or this letter addressed to this tragic and very sad church. And this is an ultimate shame to have the great physician, the head of the church, telling this church you are dead. It's not sick, it's dead church before the Lord. It's not dying. But it's a dead church. A great contradiction of the fact that the church is where God lives. The church is where Jesus Christ lives. And the church is where the spirit of God lives. In fact, as a matter of reality, it says that this is a place where people that are made alive in Christ lives. In the family of God. Why dead church? After all, by definition, a church is a kind of people that is walk, that is called by God from darkness to an everlasting light. People that are dead and made alive in Christ. Well, verse 4 of the book of Revelation tells us about the reason. It says here in, in, in that portion of the Bible in verse 4, it says that yet you have a few people in Sardis. Let's discount that few people in Sardis who have not. Soiled Or defiled. Or tented their clothes. They will walk with me in dress. It means to say. That majority of the members of the church. defiled their character. Defile their testimonies. And their relationship with God. With the system of this world. And with sin. Because it is sin that defiles. Our character and our relationship. With God. As a matter of theology. In fact. Even their good deeds in verse 2 that is described as incomplete was not good enough to earn the approval of God what they feel sufficient for God it was deficient falling short of the calling of the church and the calling of every believers every believer as stated in the book of Matthew chapter 5:16 will it tells us Let your light so shine before men That they may see your good works And will glorify your father Which is in heaven They thought that they were alive Because of their names Because of their reputations Achievements, accomplishments and wealth They had twisted theology About life They thought that life is about what you have If you have this And if you have that That is life Life in Christ is not a matter of what you feel and what you see is good. But instead, what God feels right and good and pleasing before him. I love the definition. I love how Rick Warren defines worship. He said, worship is anything that we do that pleases the Lord. Anything that we do that will make God Smile. So it's not about what excites us, but what excites about the Lord. But there is little to be commended as positive and uh, exciting characteristic of this church. Because there were few people that are faithful and committed to the Lord. It is saying in effect that there are few humble among the proud. There are few generous people among the selfish. There are few people that are sincere among the hypocrites. And for this reason, he gave them commendation. He said, this exciting commendation that he gave, he said, You will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. And God was saying that you are okay. You s- this church is okay. These people are okay. Because you don't allow your relationship with God, you don't allow your spiritual life to be tainted, to be soiled, and to be defiled with a system of this world. The Bible tells us that we are in this world, but not of this world. And it says that love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. And these people can easily say no to sin, but yes to God. I'm sure after coming out of this church, there will be a time when you will be challenged to make a decision. Whether you will say yes to God, or yes to sin, or yes to temptations. The white robe represents for holiness and purity. It prescribes holiness and purity. And there are five commendations, recommendations that Christ gave to this church. He said, wake up. Now, If, if somebody is sleeping beside you, wake up. And it says, strengthen the things that remains. Number three, remember therefore what you have received and heard. Number three, keep it. Number four, repent. That was the recommendation. Repentance. I, I would love to define the way I understand sin. Repentance means turn and never return. I had my old theology about repentance means living away from sin and turning back to God. This is the prescription of the one that is faithful. And the Philadelphia church is a nice church, just like Bridges. I love this. I love this church. Verses, 70, verses 7 to 13. By the way, I'm not reading the text, but I'm just giving the overview, especially the recommendations and the complaint of God about the church. There is no warning, there is no review given to this church. This church is okay for God. And probably, if you are an elder of the church, or you are a deacon of the church, or you are a ministry leader of the church, or you are a faithful, committed member of the church, you feel good. Because, in the very eyes of the one who holds, established, founded, and even uh, nourished the church, he said it is good. And Jesus Christ introduced himself as the one holy, true, and the one who has the key of David. I'm not going to emphasize so much on the one, on Christ being holy and true. Because as a matter of theology, he is absolutely sinless. And it speaks of his deity. That he is God. And he is the author of all truth. John fourteen six. And look at the commendation that Christ gave. First, he said, you have a little power. The power there, little power does not mean feeble. But it means strength. The founder of the church was saying... You are a small congregation. You are not popular. You are not significant in terms, significant terms of numbers. But you have a very powerful testimony about the Lord in the community where you are right now. I think going back to our calling of becoming the light and the salt of the earth, this means a lot. And second, they were characterized in terms of obedience in verse eight, when it says, "You keep my word." Third attribute of this church is that this church was loyal to Jesus Christ. It says that you have not denied my name. It is easy to assume that this church was in the middle of heavy persecution. And Satan or the synagogue of Satan or agents of Satan was hammering this church like crazy. Making them or compelling them to deny That Christ is the Messiah. And he said, I love the statement, your commitment of loyalty. The the, the last one is that in verse 10, you have kept my command to endure patiently. He was saying that in in good times, in bad times, you are faithful. I think this is an amazing statement of uh, commendations. That faithful in bad times... Faithful in trials and faithful in all circumstances in life. Last for the Laodicea church. This is a lukewarm church. Revelations chapter 3, 14 to 21. Somebody said, uh, one scholar said, evangelical scholar said, that lukewarmness is a metaphor of a life that is not connected to God. And he said, Laodicea has the grim distinction of being the only church in which, in which Christ had nothing good to say. There was nothing good to say coming from the Lord Jesus Christ. It is believed to be a false church. I'm not saying that when we say that it is a false church, there, were, there was or there were no believers that are genuine or real. And this church receives a blistering rebuke coming from the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ himself is introduced in this part as the Amen, the faithful, and the true witness. I'm not doing so much to expound on Jesus Christ as the faithful and true witness. But the word Amen is often as affirmation in Hebrew to something that has been said. That's when we say Amen because something positive has been said. Said about that. And Christ is the affirmation of the person. The covenant. And the promises of God that has been made. In the Old Testament times. What's my point for that? Here's the point? Let's give you an example. Three examples. The manna. Or the bread that follows the people of the Lord. When they left Egypt. Up to the land of promise. Will never be understood on our part. If Jesus Christ. Who claimed to be the bread of life. Did not come. And did not born in the house of bread. Because by definition the word Bethlehem means house of bread. And if you happen to remember that there was a time when the people were beaten by snakes. And Moses had to set up a serpent, bronze of serpent. And that anyone who will see and look up that serpent will be healed. If you see John chapter 3, this is quoted by by John. That Christ had to be exalted. It is saying in effect that the bread and even the serpent prefigures about the coming of the one. That is the amen in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Last one example for that is uh, we remember the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant was where the presence of God was. Okay, It was wherever they bring that Ark of the Covenant to any place the presence of God was there. And it was covered with skin of an animal. Animal that is good and undefiled. If you notice John chapter 1 verse 1, 14 and 18. It says that in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. Look at verse 14. And the word became flesh. The skin had to be clothed on with flesh to become a man. And that is in the person of Christ. In verse 18 it says that Christ... Revealed and made known God. It is saying in effect that Christ is the exegesis, the interpretation, the definition and explanation of who or the, the hidden reality of God. He interprets about who God is. And we are blessed today to be part of Christ who identifies himself as the faithful and true witness. In the Lord. And when it says that he is the beginning of all creation. It does not mean that he is created. But it says that everything exists. Exists because of Christ. And there is nothing that exists not because of Christ. In Colossians 1.16 it says. This is basically the point that making God smiles. It says that. For by him all things were created. Things in heaven and things on earth. Visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers and principalities. All things were created by him and for him. And that is for his glory and for his honor. There is one guy in the Philippines uh, who claimed that he is the unwanted son of God. And this is Kibolo Apolloi. He has a huge church. And we know also about church who claim that their leader is the biker of Christ. Well, as far as I could remember in my history, in my studies, and in my knowledge, Christ has never resigned as the head of the church. He never resigned as the second person of the Trinity. He is still the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Lord Jesus Christ is preeminent as the Amen, the faithful, and the true witness. Laodicea was one of the wealthiest cities of modern Turkey. Uh, they were known for their best medical schools, expensive clothing, and banking system. But one of the fascinating problems of the city... Was their water system because it was dirty and it dried up during summertime? And so, what they did, they had to pipe water from a distance, like 10 miles away. But there was a problem because the water system also of that land was full of impurity, plus the fact that it was not drinkable, it was neither cold nor hot. There was nothing to be commended about this church, nothing at all. In fact, verse 15 says, I know your deeds. And 16 says, you are neither cold nor hot. And I will spit or spew you out of my mouth. A very strong language or words. It is saying that God was saying, I cannot take you. In fact, this church made God sick. Made God vomit. I cannot take it. And I think the best description of this church in, is, is in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 5. Where it says, denying, they have the godly, in form of godliness, but denying the power of God. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 5, denying the power of God. The second rebuke that God gave, they said, I am rich, I am wealthy, I do not need anything. But God said, on the second part, You do not know that you are rich, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Super poor. By this point in time. And somebody said that the pride of the richness might have been associated with the rich knowledge about God. But did not have the root system of a genuine relationship With the Lord Jesus Christ. And there are so many of these people. Aldrin one of the Apollo 11 astronaut. Was asked this question. What is the longest trip that you ever had in your life? And people were thinking that he would answer. It's from earth to moon. But he said no. It's the travel of my knowledge from head to my heart. There's a lot of things that we have in the minds. That has not been processed to become part of our character. To become part of my my character verse 18 says and God was suggesting that they should buy pure gold from the Lord and how can they buy pure gold when they were naked because they have nothing to buy for clothes they were blind because they could not buy eyeglasses they have nothing in them and God said Jesus said what I need from you is your brokenness All that you have for all that I have. This is exactly the reason why Christ died at a cross for all of us. And he said, I will give you gold. Gold refers to faith refined by fire. He said, then he said, buy white garments that you may be clothed yourself. Salvation is, salvation in Jesus Christ is the white robe That covers our nakedness. The white garment represents the righteousness of God. That is imputed in us at the day when we have committed our life to the Lord. Salvation is the spiritual eyesight. So that you and me might be able to see the things of God. Finally salvation is the spiritual gold. That makes sinners rich in the Lord. Let me just ask you this question. Why, what does Jesus want to convey? Why at the end of every letter, the seven letters, he has this word repentance? What is the significance of the garment which is explained as the righteousness of God for us? I think we should go back. The answer for that is that we should go back to the reason why we are saved. I, I, I've been telling you that Colossians 1.16 tells us the reason why God created us. So that we should be to the praise of his glory. Second, we are saved by the Lord for the praise of His glory. Now, in the book of Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4 and 5, it says that God chose us in Him before the foundation of the word. That was before Adam, that was before Abraham, that was before Moses, that was before David. We were already in the heart of God. In other words, even before your mother conceived you in your mother's womb... Even before you were completed in your mother's womb, you were already completed in the heart of God. Yeah. You look at verse 4. God chose us in him before the foundation of the I just remember the story from this little boy. Uh, he had no idea that he was adopted. Uh, and so he was bullied in the school. Adopted, adopted, adopted. And he cried. And he confronted his dad. dad is it true that I'm adopted? And the, and the father was shocked. Because the father was just waiting for the right time to tell this boy. But with the wisdom coming from the Lord, he said, yes, my son, you're adopted, but you're special. Because out of thousands and thousands of street children and people, children in the orphanages, I have chosen you. And so it came to the mind of the boy that, oh, it's special. I am special. And the dad said, you are special. And the boys think about this, boys bullying him in the school. They have no choice but to call their dads dads because they are biological dads. And so the following day, he went to the school and said, I uh, went to the school super proud, with head high, and these guys were calling him, Adapted, Adapted, Adapted. And this boy said, Special, special, special. <laughs> While you, no choice, no choice, no choice. <laughs> you are, if somebody tells you that you are nothing, that's not true. Because God chose you even before the creation of the world. Aside from the fact that somebody died at the cross for you. But the reason for that is in verse 6. It says that to the praise, uh, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 6. To the praise of his glorious grace. And look at this. Our conviction of God's enduring love that has been there during creation time. Should lead us to honor him in this life. Uh, Ephesians chapter 1, 7. It tells us that we had been saved. uh, We had been forgiven. And redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. You can just follow that. Was it easy on the part of Jesus Christ to shed his blood? It was not. Because it means that his feet. His hand had to be nailed. So that blood flows. His side had to be pierced. His his head had to be crowned. In fact according to some uh, Armenian scholars. They believe that one of the thorns. Broke the skull of Christ, and if not because of continued flowing of the blood, his internal organs could have been visible. Which is, I think, true because if if you see it in the book of Isaiah, chapter 52, verse 14, it says that he looked, uh, his face was marred, not like a human being, and he looked beyond recognition. And I am sure that in the omniscient eyes of God, when Christ was praying at Gethsemane, he saw this one. And so he said, Father, let this cup of suffering pass for me. But he said, not my will, but yours be done. And when Christ shouted at the top of his voice, saying, I thirst. He was saying to let the people know that it is not easy to redeem humanity from falling of the glory of God. So that you will have redemption. You will have forgiveness. The Bible reminds us that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. And Christ had to do that for us. And the reason for that is in verse 12. It says that we might be to the praise of his glory. It is for God's glory. And look at this. our uh, Gratitude to God's redeeming love should compel us to worship him. And to honor him. Now, in the book of Ephesians, chapter 1, verse 13, it says that we are being sealed by the Spirit of God at the day when we have received Christ. It's not just for us to have somebody to help us, but verse 14 tells us that the reason why we are giving the Holy Spirit in us, that we should be to the praise of His glory. In other words, our experience of the Holy Spirit's transforming presence should move us to live this life for the glory of God. Of God. Why do we need, why the Spirit of God is being emphasized in this letter? Very simple. Because we could not live on our own to live this life for the glory of God. And Zechariah chapter 4 6 is very clear about that. Not by might and nor by power, but by the Spirit of the Lord. Let me just uh, uh, end this with the uh, Analysis of chapter 4. I'm, I'm sure that Pastor Ron will be sharing on chapter 4. In chapter 4 of Revelations and chapter 5, there's a great gathering of people, all kinds of people, all kinds of races that will be gathering together in the presence of God. At that time, all kinds of people, black, white, everybody. The question that I would like to ask is this Will you be part of that gathering? And Unwind that song. I love this song. Uh, I belong to an old traditional church that sings it. When the trumpet of the Lord shall sound and time shall be no more. If there will be roll calling of names. The question that I would like to ask. Will your name be called? If you could not remember. That once upon a time you have committed your life to Jesus Christ. I invite you to make this prayer. Like this. I made this prayer in 1979. October 10th, when I committed my life to Jesus, I said, Lord Jesus, I recognize that I am a sinner. I cannot save myself. Please forgive me from all my sins. If you have not made that prayer, if you are not so sure that you don't have a have relationship with Christ, you can make that prayer, like this prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you very much for this wonderful opportunity of knowing what you have done for us. I recognize that I am a sinner. I cannot save myself. Please forgive me from all my sins. Come into my heart and be my Savior. Because we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for listening to the Bridges Community Church sermon podcast. Bridges Community Church is located in the San Francisco Bay Area in Fremont, California. For more information on Bridges Community Church, please check out our website at www.bridgescc.org.